Welcome to the After 30 Podcast. I'm your co-host, Anis Alipai, and today's episode is about growth. Not upward growth, but lateral growth. Our 30s are often a time when opportunities arise, particularly in our career. We typically expect to strategize for the next rung on the ladder in our current field, get a promotion, grow our business, and amplify goals. Upward growth in a field that we know deeply feels like the only existing direction. But what if we're actually feeling a pull for something different? What if we recognize the value of our experience and we know our passions better and we actually see the importance of growing laterally in a specific context or environment? We have a tricky balance of learning how to put years of practical experience in place with still not or ever being senior enough to not learn a new way. With us today is Sarah Stockdale, author, speaker, and founder and CEO of Grow Class, an online growth marketing training school. Sarah's chatting with us about why now is the perfect time to learn more and grow laterally. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for being here. We're so happy to have you. This is such a this is such a juicy topic. We are very, very honored to have you for sure. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. <laughs> it's an interesting topic to discuss, especially in this moment. We have so many layers. Because like growing laterally is something you could think about on a day-to-day in your normal life. But then now with the sort of overshadowing cloud of COVID, we think about growing laterally in a different kind of context. So it's really great to have you. Thank you. For sure. And I think what's going to be interesting, and I'm so keen to get your perspective as we chat through it, is that I think a lot of people are stripping it back to basics when they're thinking about their life right now. You know, I think COVID has really caused people to think about what's the most important, what really matters to them. So they're thinking a lot about what they're passionate about, what they're good at, you know, and so that can sometimes mean not necessarily continuing on the same trajectory that you might have set yourself up in in your career. So I think this will be, like Annie said, even that much more of an interesting topic. With This is interesting for us anyway in our 30s. Anise and I have always talked about this. I feel like it comes up, it pops up in so many of our episodes about how you kind of think when you're in your thirties that you're like, okay, you're locked, you're in your career, you're on the right path. You've done all the work in your twenties to get you on that, like, you know, to get you on that path. And if you sort of think that you're there and that you're just going to continue and then you're like, okay, great. I can focus on my, I don't know, my family, my house, my, what all these other things, but the reality is, and I think initially when we started this podcast, Denise and I were both almost surprised with how almost every single conversation we were having about our careers, the common theme was coming up that that's not the case. It's like, you seem to actually want to change course more often in this decade than I think any of us were prepared for. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's get, talk. yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Um, <laughs> I think it's important to notice now that we're after 30, you know, we're so many years into our career and our experience is actually a testament to our lateral growth. So while we're also striving like for that next rung on the ladder, in a sense, we're already growing laterally and we're expanding. And so what do you think is a value of lateral growth? So I think like 
in in my career, I was definitely you said it perfectly. Like in, the, in my early twenties, I was like, I am gonna learn how to. I'm gonna learn how to climb this ladder the same way you learn how to get A's in school. I'm gonna yeah. figure out how to get promoted. I'm gonna figure out how to get the next big job, and. Then I burnt out horribly. I got super, mm. super, super sick. And the company that I was working at at the time um, was acquired by Airbnb. And I just knew that I had to change something about my life because this this mm. climbing, this obsessive climbing uh, mm. was exhausting me. And I was never actually finding the satisfaction and happiness at each rung of that ladder. I'd, you know, get to get to the next rung and think this is this is the rung where I'm going to feel satisfied. This is the rung. This is enough money. This is the house that I'm going to be okay with where I'm at. And I never got there. Capitalism doesn't want us to ever achieve that level of <laughs> satisfaction and happiness because then we could, then we won't keep going. So um, I had to kind of exit the ladder entirely. And I had to get off and and think about growth in a completely different way, um, yeah. both for my career and for my personal life, and honestly for my health because the that that excessive right. you know eighty hour work like it just it's not sustainable. Um, oh, so right. I think as we get into our thirties, we start to really understand what is what actually makes us happy, not what we're told we need to check off the list to make us look happy on Instagram, but what mm -hmm. actually satisfies and fulfills us and how do we design our lives differently so that we can go after more of those things that actually fill us up and not just the things that look, you know, make us look cool on LinkedIn or on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And, and it's really interesting that you speak to it that way because it's really, there is so much value in lateral growth that we don't even think about its value. There's, we think of value as climbing that rung, you know, going to the next rung. And so when we start to sort of expand in a way that is kind of, how do you say, horizontally, we don't realize how much value it brings us. I'd actually love to understand a little bit more of your perspective, Sarah, on like what that lateral growth really means. I think people might have just different definitions of that term. So I'd love to hear from your perspective what that means to you and why there's so much benefit. Mm. So I think when people like when I when when you kind of first hear the term lateral growth, you think like, oh, I'm just going to get, you know, another job with the same title or I'm going to, you know, stay in middle management kind of toiling away. And I think that's right. a, actually like a fundamental misunderstanding of what lateral growth means. Right. I think it means kind of widening out your perspective. So if you're mm -hmm. hyper focused on climbing that ladder, you're going to miss a lot of the opportunities for your personal and professional growth if you don't just like take a pause and kind of look around and see, you know, what is it that actually satisfies me and am I willing to kind of take a step sideways or start, you know, start a company that doesn't have anything to do with the legal practice I'm in right now. Or, you know, a friend of mine is like starting to farm. Like, what does it mean to kind of take right. a sidestep out of that hyper-focused climbing and look around and think, okay, how can I build my skill set so that I can focus on things that I enjoy and love and designing my life that way versus this like hyper-focused promotion, more money, more job, promotion, more money, more job. Right. Because I think a lot of people when they're starting something new um, and maybe in a field that they don't know as well, there's this automatic apprehension that you need to take a step back. 
to be able to learn more, to start, you know, to start from scratch in, in many, many ways. But I think what you're sort of inferring here too, is that there is an element that at a certain stage in your, in your career and in your experience, more importantly, that you can take a lot of your skill set and your learning in whatever faculty or field that you have been in, and you can, you can take the, that experience and you can use it in another way and in another field. So it's sort of this concept that like, I think there's a, a point at which you don't need to be stepping back. You need to learn. Of course, we always need to be learning and progressing, but it doesn't need to be this to be viewed as like, let me take a step back if I'm starting something different. I love what you said there, because I think especially women, and I find this with a lot of the folks that I'm working with, they're like, you know, I want to start a business. Does that mean I need to go get an MBA? Or I want to start, you know, I want to start a company. Does that mean that I have to, or start at a new company? Does that mean I have to go entry level? Because I don't know this business well. And I think we underestimate all of the rich experiences, especially in our 30s that we bring. Like we already have our shit together. We already know so much can bring so much experience, even if it's not the exact thing that you want to be doing next. I think we undervalue ourselves and then make it actually harder for ourselves. So, so true. And I also think there's this other piece where like maybe there's a skill set that you were always focusing on at this point in your career. And there's sort of like these older skill sets that you weren't building on that you loved so much. And so I think also lateral growth is about enriching those ones and pulling them out of the archives. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like you're, so when you grow laterally, you're also pulling from pieces that need, need to be touched up in that way. Lateral growth is also your own kind of personal development and enrichment. I completely agree with you there. I think there's, especially when we get super focused in in the early stages of our careers, we forget all of these things that light us up or that we're naturally talented or good at if they're not exactly the thing that's needed for the job we're in right now. And it's so nice to have like a, a wider lens on your life to look back and say like, what are the things that lit me up when I was younger and how can I incorporate so those true. things into my life oh. now? Oh, and oh, so, so true. true. I've done that so many times. If I ever am feeling really, really, um, if I'm just really struggling, if I'm feeling really low in my job or at a point in my work where I'm really burnt out or whatever, I've always come back to that. And it's so interesting because when you come back to these basics of like, what did I love to do? Like when I was in my early twenties, it felt so much more exciting because you had this whole world ahead of you and you knew you were going to go after your passions. Well, this is how I operated anyway. Right. I like went, I pursued a career in dancing and then I'm like, cool, I tried that. I'm going to hang that up now. And then I like, then I go for being a buyer in the fashion industry. So I'm like, I love that. You know what I mean? Like I had this incredible, let me go after those passions. And then if I ever was in a career path or in a job that was like not filling up that, yeah, not satisfying those, that fire, I would always come back to this basic, like, okay, when I was a kid, I loved animals. I loved fashion. I love, you know what I mean? Like it would become really, really basic. And then it was easier to make the next decision, you know? So, so true. Yeah. I like, I, it's, it's so funny that you say that. Cause when I was a, when I was a kid, I was a figure skater and I really loved, like it, it was just, that was where a lot of my energy was devoted. And, and obviously yeah. like as an adult, when am I figure skating? <laughs> like never. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So when COVID hit, I was like, how do I incorporate this? Cause 
you know, I think one of the things that a lot of us found out about COVID was like, I was like, I don't have any hobbies. Like my hobbies are like going to dinner with my girlfriends and like doing all the things I'm not allowed to do anymore. So I bought a pair of roller skates. I was like, you know what? I I loved skating as a kid. It's super vulnerable and cheesy to learn something new now. But I also love being in my thirties at the point where I'm like, I really don't care about looking stupid anymore. I just want to do this because I think it's going to be fun. Wow, Sarah, the roller roller skating like movement is so big. And I think it's so cool that you're doing that. Oh my God. I really want to go roller skating now because I remember roller skating as a kid as well. You're so right. It's just, I'm not afraid of looking cheesy anymore. It just doesn't matter. Right. (laughs) I want to, I want to shift because there's a really important piece of this that I would, I really want to get your perspective on. So I think what I have seen, I've experienced this challenge personally, and I've seen this come a lot, come up a lot in conversations with friends that are at this sort of stage in their career where we're at an interesting inflection point in this age where we've sort of touched on it already, where we've got this like, you know, 10 plus years of experience somehow, you know, and, and maybe we've adjusted our fields a little bit, but we've still got 10 plus years of experience under our belt. We're likely in, you know, maybe a management level, or maybe we've started our own businesses. We know a lot of people that tend to start their own businesses in their thirties. And I think what can be really interesting is having this, this struggle where you, because you have experience, you know, to a certain degree, certain things that like the best way to do certain things. You have an understanding of some best practices. You have an understanding of like, this works well, this works better than other, you know? And there's this, this element of, especially if you're like in a corporate environment and you're in a manager level, like this is how you do this, you know, when you're sort of helping guide the rest of your team. But then there's this, you always have to have this layer of, but how do I stay open to learning new things, learning, doing things a different way? How do I still listen to my team that is younger than me bring up ideas? You know, so like, I think that this is, this is a point for this age group, but I think it's a point that all ages as, you know, everybody has to go through this. Everybody has to, it's not, it's not unique to us in our thirties, I guess is what I'm saying. And that we all need to be able to balance this experience with openness so I'd love, I'd love more of that from you, what you think of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. One of the things that I learned kind of coming up in, in tech startups was I, at the beginning of my career, I was one of the youngest people always in the room, um, but we were all under 30. Like I worked at a company called Tilt and there were maybe three employees on a 70 person team that were over 30. So we were craving that leadership and direction and we didn't have it. So we just made it up as we went along. Um, But I now, knowing that I helped build companies when I was in my early 20s and kind of just stumbled through it and figured it out eventually, I really value that openness to being wrong and that openness to just like having 
crazy ideas and trying new things that people who are younger on my team have that maybe I've been conditioned a little bit away from that risk. Um, Mm. So I always try to listen to them because I remember being that age and I remember being so passionate and so excited about the work that I was doing and just wanting someone to listen to me and being so grateful when someone kind of let me take the lead on something. So um, and, and honestly, I have a woman on my team who I think she just turned 25 um, and she comes up with some of the best ideas for our business that we've had mm. and it would not be the same if, if she wasn't a part of it. So Bella's listening, shout out. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, uh, I do think we can kind of get a little bit crotchety and stuck in our ways at this age and we have to, I'm, I'm on TikTok all the time, just like soaking in the brilliance <laughs> of people who are younger than me and, and being a little bit uncomfortable by it, but like mostly soaking in their brilliance. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I do think it's, especially when we're busy and we're stressed, it's so easy to just be like, I know what I'm doing, leave me alone. Um, and right. that actually makes us far worse leaders and and far worse um, business owners. You kind of think overall, it's like be as open, give them the runway as much as you can. But like, how do you balance when they're, they are looking to you for that leadership or they, or there are certain things where you're like, that's actually probably not the best way to do it. You know, like, how do you balance that? (laughs) I like for me when, so I've, I've only ever led really young teams. Um, so my, my goal is always kind of lead the horse to water, right? If you know that an idea is harebrained, you've tried a bunch of things like that before, you know, it's not going to work. It's just kind of an exhausting conversation. I try to get them to come to that conclusion on their own. So ask a lot of questions, um, until you kind of lead them down to having an aha moment of like, oh yeah, maybe this won't work. And I'm like, great because it's going to be a lot easier for me and my job in a, in a leadership role if you make the decision versus me right. as the authority figure making the decision. Um, I also like to storytell a lot. Like if mm. I'd tried something similar to it before and it had been like a colossal failure, I like to kind of own that vulnerability and tell that story so that they have Hold some context on right. why I'm giving them that feedback. Um, yeah. But but sometimes you got to let people fail. Like sometimes you have to yeah. just let them try it and fail so that they learn that way. As long as they're not going off with a ton of um, budget and a lot of time. Right. Um, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I, I could be wrong. This could be a different condition. I'm an experimental growth marketer, so I'm all, all about testing things and, and just sure. getting data back. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, my gut reaction is that it won't work. But I, I also tried it two years ago in the fall with this company. So right. what it might work. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's try it. Yeah. 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 I like cool. your t- your take. I like your take on the idea of the fact that we are conditioned away from risk. And I think that holding, you know, just holding a lamp to that and acknowledging that we are generally conditioned away from it because as you sort of get older and deeper into your career, you kind of have to be because you're you become like risk mitigator, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um so I think it just acknowledging that as well is um is so important. And I really liked your tip on that. You know, just the fact that you already know that is so good, right? It kind of actually leads into another question that I know we had about how we can often be scared to learn new things in our thirties. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the opportunity in that to work and you've kind of touched on it a little already with like TikTok, like just, just get all real rather. We should probably get on real. Not That's TikTok. right. Um, it's like an opportunity to work through this bit by bit. So the fear moves and shifts as we get older. I think that that's something that 
we almost need to start getting comfortable in that fear because that's just going to continue, you know, exactly. the that we get. But, you know, I, I'm even thinking about that myself. And I feel like we people right now that are in their 30s, like our generation is a really interesting generation because we are sort of the only generation that had, you know, a, a like a, not a dial up phone, but like a phone to your wall. You know what I mean? Like a landline. We we're the first ones to have, a, we were the last generation to have like a landline phone, but, and the first generation to have our own cell phones, you know what I mean? So we've, we've been part and we've grown up in the techno or the technology age as it has grown up. So I think that's automatically made us quite adaptable as well. So, but I still think that as it's natural, as you get older, um, that you, like you said, you get a little more crotchety, you get a little bit more stuck in your ways and you get a little bit more <laughs> fearful of trying new things. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested what you think about that. And you're, you're so, you're such an interesting perspective on this because of the field that you're in, like being a growth marketer, you're always trying new shit. So you've got that appetite for always for learning something new, but there's a lot of industries and people that are based on much more traditional Exactly. Exactly. Like your industry is like you're, you're, and you're in experimentation like all the time. And so that is something so interesting. So like, why do you think that even for, for everybody, aside from you, who is quite the anomaly, why do you think that now would be a good time in our lives in our thirties? Why do you think it's like a perfect time to grow laterally and to learn more? So I think there's this myth when we get to our thirties that we're supposed to know what the fuck we're doing. Like, I think there's this myth that like, we're having kids, so we should be wise and we're owning homes. So we should know, you know, we should be in a position where we don't have to learn anymore. Um, And Mm -hmm. we should shy away from any of the things that might make us look like we don't know anything. So one of the things that I love most about running grow class is folks who are in senior executive roles, who are in VP roles, who were, you know, own publishing companies, come to us very vulnerably and say like, hey, I am incredible at this one thing, but I know that I need to learn this thing in order to continue to grow my own understanding, learning, business, career. And I get so excited every time someone older than me joins because I'm just, I'm so used to everyone being like, no, no, I know everything. I can learn nothing from people younger than me. I don't have anything left to do. I'm, you know, 35 and I own a home and I have two kids and therefore I'm like somehow done learning. And I like, I think that's bullshit. Um, And, and honestly, I second that. (laughs) But I think even when I was a little bit younger, I, I had this kind of, I was a director at a, at a San Francisco VC backed startup. And I thought I knew everything. I thought I had all the answers. And I still remember having a conversation with my boss and he said, you don't have to answer every question right away. You Mm. don't always have to know the answers. You are allowed to say, let me get back to you on that. I'm going to learn more about that and get back to you on that. Because I had this knee-jerk reaction of like, I have to be this like fountain of wisdom always, and I can never be wrong. And now that I'm in my 30s, my biggest takeaway is like, I know nothing. And that's great. Because that gives me an opportunity. That is one of my favorite answers. Like in, in conversation, in meeting to be like, you know what? I'm not sure. I'll take that away. And I'll let you know. Like to be able to be comfortable and confident enough to say, I don't have that answer right now, like in this moment, was something I learned later. You know, for sure. Like to your point. Oh, and it takes so long to get comfortable with our own ignorance and just like there's, you know, there's 
billions of people on this earth. There's a million things that you can learn in a day. And to think that you're done, I think is fundamentally yeah. hindering your, your you know, personal <laughs> Oh, it's hindering your progress. It's hindering your evolution. It's hindering your community's evolution. It's hindering oh, the way you communicate, the way you articulate. It's hindering your growth and leadership. And I think like, as you, as, as you were saying, the more, you know, the more you don't know. And I think the, the quicker we acknowledge, the more we don't know, the quicker we can move into places where actually we are not only expanding our breath, but we become places of, I would even say places of, of softness where people can actually come to you for advice because you will hear them with your not knowing sense. Yeah. I love that. Actually, and then the the deeper you go into the I know nothing, I think it really, really just creates that who can I go to when I need them? And it's actually the person that I want to go to is somebody who who will acknowledge they know nothing about my experience because they don't. They are not my they will nobody will know my experience except for me. So I think mm-hmm. it's actually there's there's a piece of that in growing older. There's yeah. a piece of that in like rising up the ranks in some way, shape or form. And also there's a piece of that in growing lottery. So I think they all intersect, you know, I think that that like vulnerability is like the most important piece of leadership and good Mm -hmm. leadership. So I, I totally agree. With you. I always think of uh, Gwendolyn Doyle uh, wrote something in her her most recent book, um, Untamed, where she said, we're always asking other people for maps to places they've never been. And mm. I always I always feel like that when when oh, college students ask me mm. for invi- advice about their careers. And <laughs> I can only speak so from cool. a very narrow, specific um, experience. And I... I right. If they want to go somewhere I've never been before, how am I supposed to, you know, and, and I think there's like arrogance in pretending to know when you don't, Um, I always, I'm always pushing young people. This is so interesting, Sarah, because it's also talking about the broader thing, right? So how do you, when you're, when you're beginning to mentor younger people or when they're, you're a college college um, bound student is asking you, like, how do I move forward? I think the way that we can empower ourselves by empowering them is having like a breadth and a broader scope of what kind of questions we can ask them so that they quote unquote, they can, can find find their way and pursue whatever it is they want to pursue. And the only way we can actually do that is to your point, we actually take the time to grow laterally. Yep. I think I'd like to bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning and particularly thinking about how we've all been in this pandemic. We've gone six months out of this year almost, and our whole lives have really changed. And like I was saying earlier, a lot of us have really reevaluated and thought about what's the most important, gone to your basics. What do I love about my job? What do I want to do? Um, what makes, what gives me purpose? What gives me value? And I suppose what I'd love to get your perspective on is what are some of the things we can do to encourage that thought process? Like if you're feeling like you're not necessarily happy in your, in your career path, you know, and you'd like to entertain this idea of growing laterally, where do you go? Where do you start? And how can you, how can you start that work? Yeah, I think if if at any point, and it doesn't, you don't have to be in your 30s, it can be at kind of any point in your life, you feel like you've stopped learning or you feel like you're, you know, 
less interested in your life. And I'm, I'm a little bit woo woo, so forgive me for it, but I, I think that, <laughs> you know, we're on board. We, <laughs> um, you know, I think we, we're responsible for designing our own lives. And if we aren't happy with where we are, it is our responsibility to do something about it. And I think a lot of people go directly into victim mode and say, well, my uh-huh. boss, well, my spouse, well, my situation. And I'm, I'm less interested in those conversations. I'm more interested in the empowered conversation of, you know, how I feel about my life is my responsibility and I have mm. to do some kind of excavating of myself to figure out what those things are that make me happy. What are the things and where are the, my, my friend Drew always says, where are the places in my life that I'm settling and how can I refuse to settle for one day longer? Um, mm. So I think when you're unhappy, it's really easy to kind of say broadly, I'm unhappy with where I'm at in my career or broadly, I'm unhappy with that, where I'm at and where my you know, in my life. But from my very kind of growth perspective, I think you you have hmm. to get specific on what it is that's making you unhappy. Is it your job right, yeah. that you've stopped progressing and growing? Um, and then what are what are the three things you're gonna do today about it? Because I'm I'm you know very uninterested in this. I'm unhappy and allow me just to talk about it for the next three yeah. years and, yeah, and not get into leave. action. Um, and there are people who can help you. Like we have people making career changes in in our programs. Um, I work with a coach. Like there are people out there that can help you, but they yeah. can't do the work to figure out what needs to change. You have to do that right. work yourself. And also I was just thinking there's like one more thing that I was thinking about in addition to your piece was also there is this thing about sort of as we grow laterally and as we think about the things that we can do to sort of increase our wingspan, Um when we do that, we think about how we can reimagine systems and how we can mm-hmm. implement change, right? So the implement in the implementation of change and reimagining like our current reality, there is also a piece of that in sort of the, I want to say like even my, what do you call it? Um, like where I stand in society, right? So mm-hmm. as a brown woman, what are the things that stand against me? What are the things that I can do to grow um, laterally, and how can I, how can I be a part of this system where I can actually reimagine it and implement it, and what can I do to make myself happy when I'm doing that? So I'm also thinking about the intersectionality piece as you're talking about what really drives me, what makes me happy, and how can I be happier in a system that I would be happier in, if that makes any sense. It's a it's a big, big ball to put our arms around, but I think there's possibility for movement there. No, I think you're I think you're right. Um one of my realizations as a young woman in tech was that the system that I am working within is not set up for me to succeed. Like this mm-hmm. it, there are structural inequities for women and people of color and LGBTQ folks and differently and disabled folks in tech that make it structurally very, very difficult um, for right. for us to advance. So I think there's, you know, periods of time where you can stay and change and be, you know, a catalyst for um for changing the structures that you have to work within. And sometimes you have to step away from those structures if they don't serve you. Um, and that was, that was one of my decisions. I was like, I'm going to step away from working for companies that are helmed by white men who are VC backed. Like that is just not a space in which I think I can do my best work. And therefore I need to go create that space for myself. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you for acknowledging that, yeah, Sarah. That's very powerful. Hmm. Ooh. Well, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, thank you so much. So, um, Sarah, one of the things that we do is we like to bring it back to you at the end of the episode. And so we'll ask you, what is a self-care tip you often use for yourself? Oh, awesome question. It uh, has absolutely nothing to do with bubble baths or yoga. <laughs> um, I think I think my uh, my greatest self care tip, at least for me, like I'm, you know, I'm I have generalized anxiety and a panic disorder. I'm a female founder, all this good stuff. Um, I think it's you know, think of self care less as using a face mask and think of it more as internal work. So I have a therapist, I have a coach, um, I I kind of have assembled a team to help me do do the work that's going to have a sustainable impact on my mental health versus, you know, trying to band-aid it with a nice bath bomb and and calling that self-care. I think self-care is yeah. a little bit it requires a little bit more work. I think care is a verb in that sense. And uh, and we can kind of reframe it that way. What what does caring about yourself actually mean to you? And what are those actions and how do you plan to do those actions every day? I love that. Oh my God, you're giving me chills. I love the I love the team. I love the team concept. That's so great. <laughs> Bringing your I, team to help me run my life. <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. I, as you were talking, I was getting like tears in my eyes. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. I so believe in everything. I believe in the team, and I believe in just bringing your best self to the table in whichever way you can. But you can't do it without doing adequate work on yourself, right? Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And you can't do it alone. I love it. No. There you go. It's too hard. <laughs> too hard too hard basket oh my goodness Sarah thank you so much for being here this was such a beautiful conversation seriously your expertise and your background is so fascinating we could turn this into an hour and a half episode and just like ask you about what it was like being a woman in tech like holy shit but that's right thank you very much for offering this perspective I think it's really really helpful for for everyone right now it's such a it's such a it's such a definitive time, you know, and I think we'll look back on this time as um, an opportunity to really like relook at our lives and where we're at. So I think offering this perspective is so helpful. Yeah, yeah thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a lovely conversation. I so appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Sarah Stockdale is the founder and CEO of Grow Class, a six-week online growth marketing training program taught by experts in their field. She's an author, speaker, and coach. Enrollment is now open. Classes start on September 14th. Follow her company Grow Class on IG on her IG handle Grow Class at Grow Class. And we'll put everything you need to know in the show notes for that. So thanks everybody for listening and see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. It goes by in such a flash, my goodness. Like, I feel like, how am I so fast? Oh my gosh. <laughs>